0: if you know God is good. Amen. Can we give God just some praise? Just just take a moment and give him some praise. He's so good. Thank you, Lord. Guys, would you mind uh, hitting the lights for the under balcony for me? We'll go ahead and lighten up the room a little bit amen. Thank you guys. And uh, we're a little dark up here too. If you could just give us, give us a little more light up here for a Bible study. Thank you. That's great. How's everybody doing tonight? Yeah, did I just wake you up? Amen. Yeah. It was a wonderful time of worship. Now we're moving into Bible study. Thanks so much for coming out and joining us uh, for this on this Wednesday night. I want to welcome those who are, who are watching at home and uh, those who are traveling, those who can't be here, but those who are tuned in. Uh, we welcome you. We love you and uh, consider you as much a part of the family as well. Um, we're, we're in the building series, so we're going to continue that tonight. Uh, we've talked about the foundation We've talked about cooperation, how we cooperate with God when he does a building work in our lives. Uh, We've talked about uh, all kinds of, of areas of building. Well, today and tonight, the Lord led me to start talking about how we're in the building process, and sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes when we're in the building process, uh, we get discouraged and discouragement hits, discouragement comes. And tonight I just want to discuss that and and kind of dig into that in detail. So would you turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4, please? And that's where we're going to spend most of our time tonight. While you're doing that, I want to give just a couple of quick announcements. First of all, we have baptism Sunday, this Sunday. And I think we have, if, if I'm right, uh, I believe we have about 14 uh, people getting baptized Sunday, absolutely. Give it, give it up, go God. It's it's awesome. Uh, we get to try out our our brand new baptismal that has been completely refurbished. I'm excited about that. Um, so this Sunday we're going to be baptizing 14. We're going to be worshiping, and I'm going to be preaching a short message to go with it. So so make sure and and come out and be a part of that and celebrate with those who are being baptized. Celebrate with those who uh, who are who are. Uh, making a statement about their, their belief and, and, and decisions to follow Jesus Christ in their life. Amen. Amen. Um, Also, I haven't mentioned this yet, but we, a while ago, we booked um, a gentleman named Phil Stacy, who's going to be with us on August 1st. So on August 1st, a Sunday morning, uh, we're going to host Phil Stacy, and you may or may not know the name, but he was one of the finalists on American Idol, and uh, he is currently a worship leader in a large church, a large AG church in Texas. Um, and we have him coming in on, on a Sunday morning to share some testimony, uh, to, to maybe even preach a little bit, uh, to minister to us some music, and maybe even join our worship team to lead us in a little worship. So we're, we're excited to have him with us. Uh, great, great guy. He's got a new book coming out called Made to Worship. And uh, I think you can find it on Amazon. It's not quite available yet, but you can pre-order it. Uh, matter of fact, when I spoke to him uh, earlier this week, he was heading to Nashville to record the audiobook portion of that. So I'm excited to have him in and uh, excited to see see what happens. Uh, so ma- mark it on your calendar. Make sure you're with us on August 1st. That's first Sunday in August uh, as we worship with, with Phil Stacy. So I know it's going to be good. So, if you're in Nehemiah chapter 4, yell out, Amen. Some of y'all just need to say, I'm awake. All right, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Amen. You guys are a little melancholy tonight. I feel like I'm preaching to Eeyore or or something, right? Just a little melancholy. Um, No, I'm just teasing you guys. But we're going to start reading it in verse 7. And it reads like this. Now, it happened when Sanballat... Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashtonites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get into your presence, Lord. I thank you for our time in worship, Lord, that you just reached down and and touched and gave us what we need in that moment. I I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ uh, that we get to come in and be shoulder to shoulder and arm to arm and study your word and dig into it. I pray, Father, that as I uh, teach what you have laid on my heart, Lord, that it would be applicable to our lives. Father, that we would have open hearts to receive it and that we would be ready and willing to apply it to our lives. And as always, Lord, I pray that when we leave here, we would not be like the man who looked in the mirror and immediately forgot what he looked like. But we would uh, hear the word, apply it to our lives, chew on it all week, and let it change us. And Father, we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. So in this moment we see in Nehemiah uh, a time when he and his team, he and men that he recruited and families that he recruited, had traveled back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. Uh, He had obtained permission from the king. uh, The the city had laid in rubble. The walls had been broken down. uh, The houses, the temple, everything was in a shambles. And when he had heard about that, God laid it on his heart that he was supposed to travel back and rebuild the walls. So Nehemiah uh, came back to do that and this is in the in kind of the beginning stages of rebuilding the walls. He hears uh, things that that makes him discouraged. The guys who were with him begin to hear rumblings that are happening in the area and they become discouraged. Uh, How many of you know that when you're trying to rebuild or you're trying to fix things in your life or you're trying to do something different, that the enemy is not just going to stand idle. Right When you're trying to do something for God or trying to fix something that's wrong in your life or trying to line yourself up biblically with the Word or trying to line up your marriage or line up your family or line up what's happening in your life biblically with the Word, the enemy's not going to go, oh, good for him. No, he's making some changes. You go, boy. You know, the enemy's not like that, right? The enemy is going to begin to put things in place to discourage you and to trap you and to turn you sideways, right? And, and so a lot of times we fall into discouragement. So in this place, Nehemiah and his crew started experiencing discouragement when they're rebuilding the walls and they're dealing with physical fatigue. They're dealing with emotional fatigue. They're dealing with mental fatigue, and now they're dealing with spiritual fatigue, right? So they're dealing with all of these things at once. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I felt discouraged in the moment, and I recognized and realized that in every single area of my life, I'm dealing with fatigue, right? And, and, and when you're discouraged, and you don't know what's next, you don't know what to do next, and then you start looking, and you're like, well, yeah, my, my, my walk with God is suffering, I'm physically tired. I wake up in the morning after a full night's sleep, and I'm yawning, and I'm still tired. I, 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 my mind is tired, my body's tired, my spirit's tired, and my soul is toxic, right? And you're dealing with all of these situations, and all of this fatigue comes in, and, and all of this is brothers and sisters of discouragement, so discouragement comes in and it begins to take its toll on who you are as a person. It takes its toll on on what you're supposed to do. Why does the enemy send discouragement? Because discouragement uh, can be the number one reason why you don't achieve what God has asked you to do. If you get discouraged, you'll stop working. If you get discouraged, you'll stop moving forward. If you get discouraged, you'll stop trying. Right, So it, the enemy knows that. So the enemy will try his best to get you discouraged to keep you from taking that next step that you need to take. So so in this point, uh, the enemy is doing that to Nehemiah and his crew. They come under attack. And if we look at the scripture, it said they set out to create confusion. How many of you know that one of the precursors to, to discouragement is confusion? That in your mind, if you can't get your thoughts right. Your mind's not clear and things are struggling and you become confused. You just don't know what to do next. I just don't know how to fix this situation I'm in, right? And somebody on the outside looking in on your situation can say, man, it's so easy. You just do this, 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 and this. But in your situation, looking at it from the inside under the brain fog that you're dealing with and the fatigue that you're dealing with, you just can't see those easy steps to get your way out of it. Right. And, and, and the enemy is, 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 is banking on the fact that you won't see those steps, won't take those steps, that you'll distance yourself from other people in your life and you won't allow other people to speak into you to begin to teach you to do those steps to get out of your situation. Right. Because the, the number one, the next thing the enemy does to discourage you is he distances you from other people. He gets you away from people that you need to be around in your life. So in this moment, uh, they're attacked by Sanballat and Tobiah because they're, they're opposing what God sent Nehemiah to do. Matter of fact, it said when they saw Nehemiah and his team making headway, it made them angry. Can I tell you today that in your own life, when you begin to make headway and begin to line up your family, it makes the enemy angry. Right? Some, some some people in the physical don't want you to succeed. Some people in the physical get angry if you start making leeway in your life and you start making headway and you start doing better. Right? Some people are, are placed in your life to be haters. Right? So, some people just hate on you and, and there's nothing you can do about that. Right? So you've got, to, you've got to focus on God in that moment and trust him even in those times of fatigue and even in those times when he hits you. So they were furious that Nehemiah was making progress and decided to try to discourage him and his men. Right? Point number one is this. When you build, you battle. When you build in your life, you battle. They go hand in hand. When you begin to build, and you begin to change, and you begin to take that next level, and you begin to, to, to stretch who you are, and you begin to stretch your Christian walk, and you begin to study God and, and His Word more closely, and you begin to ask God for more than you've ever uh, had before, and you begin to ask God to show you and give you opportunities more than you've ever had before, the enemy will send a battle your way. One of the greatest times the enemy attacks you is, is right before uh, your harvest. He attacks you the greatest time, sometimes right before your victory. So when you're in line to achieve your victory and you've done everything you need to begin to move in that direction, the enemy will throw everything at you to try to stop it. So if tonight you're dealing with thing after thing after thing after thing in your life, and you're like, oh my, like it's coming from everywhere. Like, I don't, even, I don't even know what to do next. Like, it's coming from everywhere. Can I tell you tonight that that's actually good news? Because that means that the enemy knows that you're about to step into a new, a new season in your life. You're about to step into something new. You're about to move into something, some area new, right? And it could be in multiple fronts of your life. But whatever area it is, the enemy does not want you to get there. Enemy doesn't want you to get your marriage better. Enemy doesn't want you to get your relationship with your kids better. Enemy doesn't want you to get your finances better. Enemy doesn't want you to get your spiritual walk better. Enemy doesn't want your family to line up biblically. Enemy doesn't want any of that. So he'll attack you in every area he can in order to cause discouragement so that you take steps back. So that you don't do that. So, so be prepared that when you build, and we've been talking about building for a few weeks now. But when you build, you have to be prepared to battle. When you build, battle comes your way. I many of you know it's easy to start something but difficult to finish it? Is it just me? No? So I was, I was reading this week as I was preparing for this message, and, and I was reading a little bit about Planet Fitness, you know, because Planet Fitness is the newest gym in the area. And Planet Fitness's business plan is based on people not finishing what they started. It's based on that. They bank on the fact that you're going to sign up and continue to pay a membership and never show up. They bank on that. Their business plan is not to transform bodies. Their business plan is to take money from your bank account, and you never show up, right? As a matter of fact, the largest Planet Fitness uh, only holds 300 people in the gym, and they have over 6,000 members, right? And, and somebody asked the, the, uh, the CEO about that. They said, well, what would you do if all 6,000 members decided they were going to show up at the gym? Like, you only hold 300. What, do you, what would you do? And he goes, it'll never happen. Because time after time after time, people start, get discouraged, and don't finish. So they know that with over 6,000 members, they can only count on about maybe 300 people showing up out of 6,000 members. I wonder how, the, how much the enemy's game plan and business plan is to come against us. And how much the enemy knows about us on whether we finish what we start or not. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you today that through the power of God and relying on God and moving forward with God in our lives, we can finish what we start. We can move forward and do what God has called us to do. Amen? That's something that's, that's pretty incredible. So, so it's easy to join a gym. It's hard to keep going. How many of you know it's easy to stand at an altar and say your wedding vows? It's hard to live them out. It's, it's easy. Uh, some of y'all wrote your own vows. And, and you proclaim some, some hard stuff. You said some things you were going to do. And by week two, you broke some of them. You know what I mean? It's easy to stand at the altar and say your vows. It's hard to live them out. How many of you know it's, it's even easy to raise your hand and receive salvation? But it's difficult to pick up our own cross and follow Jesus. Right? It's easy to get saved in the moment. The difficult part is beginning the process of, of doing what Jesus has asked us to do right? Beginning to pick up our cross and follow him. So anytime you're making changes or causing changes in your life or in the life of others, the enemy will send attacks. And those attacks will either come outwardly or inwardly. These are two different ways that the enemy sends attacks, either outwardly or inwardly. But somebody, something will come against your momentum. You can just bet on it. You can bet on it that if you're making gains, something is going to pop up and come against your momentum. You know, we know that time and time again, it's happened in our lives, uh, but yet we're so surprised every time it happens. And time and time again in our lives, when we're making gains in a certain area, something will come and pop up to slow our momentum. And then we act like it's the first time it's ever happened to us. What? What in the, what in the world? You won't believe what just happened. Oh, yeah, I would, you know, because this happened to me too, right? We, when we're going through situations and we're trying to grow and we're trying to move and yet, and yet things pop up to kind of slow down our momentum, we, we can bank on it. It's going to happen. So there's two types of discouragement that we deal with. The first one I want to talk about is inward discouragement. So what's inward discouragement? Inward discouragement always starts as an attack on your mind. Right? It may not be something outward. It may be, it's just in the direction you want to go, but all of a sudden your mind goes negative and you're like, man, maybe I really can't do what I thought I could do. Maybe I really can't change what I thought I could change. Maybe I really can't impact my family the way I thought I could impact my family. You know, maybe I really can't live for the Lord the way that the Bible says that I can live for the Lord. You know, and you begin to have those negative thoughts and it begins to attack your mind and it creates inward discouragement. And it happens two ways. Uh, Division uh, either happens, division is disunity and it's either division inside your circle, your personal circle of people, or it's division inside of you. Right. You get confused, and you don't know which way to go, and you have division. You have a divided mind. You have division inside of you. It's, it's, div- division literally means two visions, right? It means that you don't, you don't have a clear direction. You're, you're torn between two directions. You're divided inside of you. Or it can be division in your circle. And what's division in your circle? Uh, the people that you trust the most, all of a sudden you have disunity there. The people that are the tightest with you, all of a sudden you have disunity. And in these cases, this is what uh, starts with inward discouragement. And the enemy will rile it up by just planting thoughts in your head. He'll rile it up by just, just starting to plant thoughts. And then the thoughts create division inside of us. And the division starts to create discouragement. So if you've ever been discouraged, can I tell you today that you're in great company? Yeah. Pretty much all of us in this room have probably experienced discouragement at one time or another. And usually when we're discouraged, we think, man, if I was a better man of God, I wouldn't be discouraged. Or if I was a better woman of God, I I wouldn't be discouraged right now. Or, or, man, if I had my life right and and I was lined up, if I was really doing what I was supposed to do, I wouldn't be dealing with discouragement. And yet when we flip open the Bible and we begin to read, uh, all through the Bible we run across people who dealt with discouragement. Moses, Moses split the Red Sea, Moses. Dealt with discouragement. There were times Moses was discouraged. David, King David, Goliath killer David, wrote many of the psalms that talk about being overwhelmed with discouragement. He talks about being discouraged in the moment. So if you've been discouraged or you are discouraged, can I tell you today, you're in great company. You're in great company, and and, and I can also tell you today that you don't have to stay that way. If, you're, if you find yourself discouraged, you don't have to stay that way. And it's something that's common to man, but we don't have to keep it. It's common to happen, but we don't have to stay that way. Amen. We we can move in a new direction. Elijah, Elijah, prophet Elijah, wanted to sit under a tree and ask God, just kill me. Just kill me after one of his biggest victories. He had discouragement. Discouragement can come on anybody. So don't judge your walk with God by the the moment that you're discouraged. Don't judge how much God cares about you by you dealing with discouragement. But understand that discouragement can come on anybody, but you have to take steps to get out of it. Amen? So we have inward discouragement and then we have outward discouragement. And I want to talk about outward discouragement a little more spiritually because a lot of times outward discouragement, sometimes things happen that just aren't planned. Don't, we don't understand. Uh, it happens and we don't even like realize like what in the world, like something that just messes you up. It just rocks your world, right? It's a demonic attack through people, places, or things. So you have an, an attack on your life through either a, a person, a place, or a thing. Something happens, and it makes no sense whatsoever. I remember one time I was traveling with Kennedy, and uh, it was Kennedy's sixth grade trip to Washington, D.C. And I, I had the opportunity to go with her, and uh, her and I went to D.C. on the, on the trip with the school, uh, the safety patrol. If you went to school here locally, it was a safety patrol trip. And uh, I remember Kennedy and I were at the Washington Cathedral, and we had pulled in on a bus. And just before that trip, I had given my life to the Lord. Like, just before that trip, I had turned my life around and started chasing God and with everything within me. I, I, I changed, man, I was building something new. I was building a new family. And I remember we pulled into this parking garage at the Washington Cathedral, which is, which is a church. But, man, I'll be honest with you, it's not much of a church. It's a gorgeous architecture. But they host every single illegitimate religion in the world and they host it in the same building. So they may have Catholic mass one week and they may have, uh, what else, like Muslims, Buddhism, whatever the next week. Like they don't don't care what occupies that space, right? And on top of that, uh, people who pay enough can get buried there. So there's just dead bodies everywhere. Uh, inside the building, right, and there 's tombs pretty much everywhere you go and If you go into the basement of the washington cathedral it 's these rock old ancient tombs with dead, dead people everywhere right it 's just a little creepy, but uh, we, we pulled into this parking garage and we 're sitting there waiting to go toward the washington cathedral and i 'm standing there talking, and all of a sudden, my throat completely closed off like i couldn't ga- i couldn 't grasp i couldn 't gasp air. Like, air couldn't get down my throat. It was so tight. And I was standing there, and I was holding my daughter's hand, and I was trying to catch air, and I couldn't. I was trying to breathe, and I couldn't. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life, but it was like something had me by the throat and would not let go. And I looked at my daughter, and I thought, I'm going to die right here next to her. That thought went through my head, like, I'm I'm about to die because I can't get air. And I, I went, I, I let go of her, I said, stay, I didn't say anything, I just kind of pointed. And I walked over to the water fountain, and I'm pouring water down my mouth like this, just trying to get something to loosen up. And water wouldn't go down my throat, air wouldn't go down my throat. At this point, it was about 30, 35 seconds in, and I began to panic in my head. And, and all I could think in that moment was, Jesus And I just started thinking, because I couldn't speak, I started thinking, Jesus, 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 over and over in my head. And as quick as it came, it left, and it was gone, right? And it was this, it was a spiritual outward attack, right? And I, I would venture to say that there's probably some of you who have had a similar experience. That there's just this vicious attack. It's an outward attack that comes as demonic attack in the moment. So we we get outward discouragement through spiritual attack. Sometimes that makes no ordinary sense. It's irrational. This thing happened to me and it doesn't make sense. I can't make any sense of it, right? It's an outward attack from the enemy to decide to discourage you, to stop you from doing what God has called you to do, right? And the bigger the attack, the bigger the calling on your life. The bigger the mess that you're dealing with and walking through, the bigger the calling that God has for you to do, right? Because the enemy is trying to stop you. So understanding which type of discouragement you're dealing with is important. Both are handled differently, okay? So if you're deeply in the middle of discouragement, it might be important to talk it through with a friend, talk it to with, a, uh, with somebody else to get a fresh perspective on what you're dealing with. Because, uh, and listen, make sure it's somebody that has the same views as you. Make sure it's somebody that loves the Lord like you do. Make sure it's somebody that understands the Bible and trusts the Bible like you do, and will give you biblical counsel, right? But in that moment, if you're dealing with deep discouragement, get a hold of somebody, because when you're in the middle of deep discouragement, you can't think straight. So you need somebody to help you unravel your thoughts in that moment. So both types of discouragement, both inward and outward discouragement, cause disillusionment, right? Disillusionment is what I was just talking about, when you you can't think straight. So disillusionment causes disorientation. How many in this room have ever been disoriented? All right, that's no fun. Uh, just disoriented, just in the physical, when, when you can't tell up from down and, and you're just a, a mess, you're disoriented. That is no fun whatsoever to have no direction and not understand which way you need to go. Right, it's just a mess, it's disorientation. Right, so, so discouragement causes disillusionment, disillusionment causes disorientation. And uh, when, you're, when you're discouraged and you've gotten to the point of disorientation, it's hard to think through what it is you're thinking. And it's hard to, to figure out what it is you're feeling. Because your feelings and your thoughts all run crazy. And it's hard to weigh them all out. It's hard to really focus on what's going on. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Right? And in this scripture it tells us specifically not to lean on our own understanding. Why is that? Because our own understanding can be flawed. Our own understanding can be based on what we're going through in the moment, right? So when we look at our life based on our own understanding, and especially when we're going through discouragement, and especially outward discouragement that that has conflict that doesn't make sense, then in those moments we're disoriented and we're trying to lean on our own understanding, and we end up doing some wacky, crazy things. You end up doing something that after you did it, you went, what in the world did I just do? And you're like, where did that even come from? Like, I don't do that. You know, what, what, what just happened, right? And it's disillusionment, leaning towards disorientation and leaning on your own understanding and not seeking biblical counsel and not seeking biblical help in the moment and not even cracking your Bible and trying to find Scripture to help you in your situation and just leaning on what you think and feel in the moment will get you in the middle of the worst mess. You'll get in the middle of the craziest stuff, like Jerry Springer stuff. Like, like Jerry Springer shows up in your front yard with a microphone and a camera crew and you're like how did this happen? it's because you're leaning on your own understanding in the middle of your mess right? it's that disorientation is taking you in the wrong direction so when you're disoriented can I tell you today that a friend can look like an enemy when you're disoriented and you're a mess in your emotions and you're discouraged a friend a real friend in your life can look to you like they're an enemy and an enemy can look to you like a friend. When you're disoriented and discouraged, you cannot trust people that you should trust. And you can trust people that you shouldn't even trust at all. You, you begin placing your life in the hands of people who you shouldn't trust to pour your bowl of cereal. Because they might be poisoned at it. Right? And you begin to place your life in those people's hands because you're disoriented, discouraged, and and just a mess. You're disillusioned. Right? So, so in this moment, has anybody ever seen a disoriented boxer in the ring? If anybody ever watched boxing and you see a boxer that's taken one too many hits in that round and he becomes disoriented, that boxer's a threat to the referee because he can't see. He just starts swinging. He can't see what he's swinging at and he could hit the referee or he could hit his his opponent. You know, it it doesn't matter. He's a threat. So when we're disoriented because of disillusionment, we start fighting our family and our friends. When you're disillusioned, you're stuck in your mess. Your family starts looking like the enemy. Your spouse starts looking like an enemy. And you begin to fight people that you shouldn't be fighting. You begin to fight the most dangerous things. They call it spatial disorientation. Because a pilot who becomes disoriented in the sky doesn't know up from down, can't tell direction. He could think that he's flying level and he's flying directly into the ground. Right? It's called spatial disorientation. But can I tell you, in our own life, it's the same thing. That we could be dealing with spatial disorientation from discouragement and issues that are in our life. And you can think with everything within you that you're flying straight. But really, you're about to, you're about to land that plane right smack dab into the ground. Right? But everything within you it makes you feel like you're flying straight. And it's because you can't trust what you think and feel when you're under discouragement. Right? Does that make sense, guys? So, so this is what discouragement does. Discouragement tells us we're alone. Discouragement tells us that God doesn't care. Discouragement tells us we're not worth the effort. Discouragement uh, and fear are actually brothers. So where you find discouragement, you start to, you start to find fear. Um, Point number two this evening is this. Discouragement loses power over you when you turn it to God. Discouragement can't continue to have power over you when you hand it to God. When you say, God, I need you in this moment. So turning to God does a couple of things in our life that's the antithesis of discouragement. When we turn to God and we hand it to God, uh, it begins to renew hope in our heart. And renewed hope in our heart bursts through like sunlight to the clouds to discouragement. Because when you're discouraged, you don't have any hope. You don't see any hope. You don't expect any hope. You don't think hope will ever return. But when you turn it to God and God bursts through those clouds with the spirit, Sunshine. I don't know if you've ever, well, lately we've had a lot of these cloudy days, right? And you see this cloudy day where everything's dark and everything's miserable and it looks just like it's going to rain any minute. And then all of a sudden, the sun just breaks forth out of the clouds, right? And you see all of a sudden the grass turns greener, you know, and everything begins. To, the humidity rises, but that's a whole other story. But, but things start to happen, right? And that sun just breaks through. It breaks through the sky. And in that moment, it's just like, ah. Right? It's, a, it's that moment like that in our life when we hand our discouraged life or we hand our discouraged mind over to God. And we say, God, have your way. And he breaks through with hope like sunshine breaking through the clouds. It's something that's, that's incredible. So John sixteen thirty three says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart I have overcome the world. Right? In the world, no matter what we're going through in this world, we can still have peace in him. No matter what we're dealing with in our situation, no matter what the enemy sends our way, we still don't have to walk in discouragement. We can walk in his peace. We can walk in his joy. You're like smiling at them. And, yeah, good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at your spouse and go, yep, yeah, they're crazy. So, have you ever ran into that? Am I the only one? No. So, so in this moment, we understand that, that biblically, Biblically, we have the power and the authority to have peace and joy in the middle of a storm. That's awesome. That's incredible. But we have to grasp it, man. We have to grasp it and walk in it, right? So so both Nehemiah and Elijah, who I mentioned early, communed with God in their fear and discouragement. And God gave them both renewed hope and direction. Nehemiah went to pray. Elijah went to pray. He was writing. It was encouraging. Before he even finished the psalm that he was in the middle of, it became hopeful, right? Because he took it to God. He said, God, I'm, I'm just, I'm so beat down with discouragement that my enemies are running rampant over me. God, it seems like you have d- deserted me. Uh, I feel like I'm just trampled on. I feel like I'm in, a, in the biggest mess and I can never get out of it. Oh, but God, you're so good. Oh, but God, you're, you're amazing. Oh, but God, you come for me when I'm in trouble. Oh, God, you lift me up out of the mess. Oh, God, you, you raise me up out of out of the mud and the muck and the mire. God, you are wonderful and greatly to be praised. Right. He starts off discouraged. He ends up hopeful. And that's what prayer is supposed to do for us. That when you're dealing with discouragement and you take it to God, there's a there's a spiritual and a supernatural transition that is supposed to take place in our prayers there's supposed to be a transition. If there's no transition at the end of your prayer, you've done it wrong, right? You're supposed to go to God and lay it out and lay your burdens out and he takes your burdens and he gives you peace and joy, right? We serve a God who can supernaturally remove the burdens off of us even though our situation may not have changed. We don't have to carry the weight of it. God will supernaturally remove the weight of those burdens, place in us seeds of joy and seeds of hope, and we can walk away with a smile on our face because a transition has happened in our prayer time between us and God. Isn't that incredible? I love that. So Nehemiah uh, secured the wall. He encouraged the people. He continued to build. Elijah went and anointed, after he wanted to die, he went and did what God asked him to do, anointed a new king and enlisted a new prophet, Elisha, to follow him. He did, he did those things after, in the moment, he asked God, just kill me. I'm just done. I, I have nothing more to do. Like just, just kill me, God. Right? And then God says, no, not yet. I got got work for you to do, right? So he he went from uh, discouraged to hopeful. So when we go to the Lord, when we're dealing with discouragement, he renews our hope, he encourages us, and he gives us direction. So you leave that time uh, of spending time with the Lord, encouraged, hopeful, and with a new direction. A new direction, a new way to go. So I've taught on this before, but it's good to remember uh, that there are three ways to deal with discouragement and test which type of discouragement that you're dealing with. So what exactly am I dealing with? Number one, this, this is the first thing you should do. Get away from the problem. Step away from the problem for a bit. You know, a lot of times uh, I, I remember when I first started learning how to play guitar. And I'm, I'm not, to this day, I mean, I am not musically inclined, so it does not come easy to me. Uh, but I beat it into my head for years so that I can, I can pick up a guitar and I can play some songs right? But I, I I had to work hard to learn everything that I learned. But I remember times when I was just trying to learn this song, and I was trying to get this chord down, and it was so foreign to me. And I, I was struggling with my hands, and I was struggling with the strum pattern, and I was struggling, and I just could not make it happen. And I would sit it down, go have dinner with my family, go outside, go mow the yard, go do something different and then when I came back to that guitar and picked it back up, all of a sudden it began to flow, right? So there's sometimes in the moment that you're dealing with frustration with what you're going through in the problem and you just need to get away from the problem for a minute, take a walk, clear your head, take a day off work, get a babysitter, you know, whatever you have to do to just kind of get away for a little bit. Go for a drive or do what Elijah uh, did and go sit under a tree. You know, whatever it is that you need to do, but just get away from the problem for a moment. The next thing you need to do in that moment is tell God, I give up. Right? You're like, Pastor Steve, you're telling us to give up? No. Listen, tell God, I give up. God, I give up trying to be in control of the situation. God, I give up trying to fix everything myself. God, I give up trying to battle this discouragement under my own understanding. God, I I give up trying to handle this without you. But God, I I turn it over you. It's time uh, for you to give up control. It's time for you to let God be God. Because sometimes in our own life, uh, we decide that we want to be God. And it's it's subconsciously. uh, But when we're going through struggle and and trouble and tribulation, we decide, well, I'm just going to fix this on my own. And in essence, what we're saying is, God, I got this. Like, I don't need you in this. I I can take care of this. God, you just just take care of somebody else's problems. I, I got this. Right? And in the moment, we're trying to be God. And in these situations, the best thing we can do is give up control. Let God be God. Right? Let Jesus take the wheel like Carrie Underwood said. So, number three is this. Pray for his vision and his truth. Because when you're dealing with discouragement and you can't see right and your own understanding is flawed, you need to pray for God's vision into the situation and pray for his truth in the matter. God, what is the real truth? What, what it seems like to me in the moment, it seems like everybody's against me. It seems like my spouse is my enemy. My family is my enemy. My friends are my enemies. It seems like all this in a moment. But God, what's the real truth? God, speak through the fog and tell me what the real truth is in the moment. And then God will enlighten you and begin to speak the real truth uh, into you if you just be quiet and listen. Now listen, one of the hardest things for us to do is to be quiet. Especially when we're going through something. We want to tell everybody that will listen. All right? When we're going through an issue, we want to, uh, when, even when we pray, we want to yell at God instead of being quiet and listening for God right? God's got big shoulders. He can handle you getting upset. He can handle your emotions. He can handle what you got. But at some point in that transition you need to shut up. Is that clear enough? (laughs) Listen, if you're discouraged and you're in the battle and you think your spouse is the enemy or you think your family is the enemy or you think uh, your inner circle is the enemy, shut your mouth. Sit back. Stop talking, stop, because usually what happens our words exasperate the situation. Sit back, let God be God, I give up control to you, God give me your vision, give me your direction, God you, you tell me what the truth is, you be quiet and you listen. So, so natural discouragement comes on by two seasons that we go through, either outward conflict causes inward discouragement. So, a lot of times when we're dealing with a lot of outward conflict, inward discouragement comes. And that comes like this your circumstances attract discouragement, and they could be money problems. When you're dealing with finance issues, you can get discouraged really easy. Uh, when you have relationship problems, friendships that are failing, marriages that are failing, uh, issues with your kids that you're struggling with, issues with coworkers that you're dealing with. Uh, issues with employees, issues, major discouragement in your life, or you lose a job, get laid off. You know, this kind of stuff can bring on discouragement in your life. And then spiritual discouragement comes by an assault. Of Not every time your car breaks down is it the devil. Sometimes it comes in, it doesn't last a lifetime. You know, <laughs> if you, man, my lawnmower just blew up. Have you ever changed the oil? Nope. How long you had it? 20 years. You know, it's just, you know, sometimes it's just us, right? Sometimes it's the enemy. And then sometimes it's just us in those moments. But spiritual discouragement is always the enemy. Spiritual discouragement coming to your life is always the enemy. Uh, Why? Because he hates your destiny. He hates your current victory. He hates the victory you're about to get. He hates your family. He hates your marriage. He hates anything that God ordained. So he'll do anything he can to try to destroy where you're at. Right? That's where spiritual discouragement comes from. Spiritual discouragement comes, uh, in, a lot of times you can, you, can, you can notice it because you're feeling great, you're riding high, and everything seems like you're on top of the world. And then, like I said earlier, all of a sudden your thoughts take a downward spiral. All of a sudden your thoughts go, go downward. Right? Spiritual discouragement, that's a, that's a sign of it. So, uh, the steps you take to eliminate the discouragement uh, are, are the same for both but I want to I jump into that because we're, we're running a little out of time. But spiritual discouragement comes by looking uh, for either opportunities or vulnerabilities in you. It plays on your insecurities and your fears. So spiritual discouragement always plays on your own insecurities and your own fears. Why, why otherwise would you think it would be so effective on us? Because anybody hitting on your own insecurities or your own fears uh, caused the most disruption to your mental uh, to your mental life, to your, to your heart, to your soul. Uh, anything playing against your insecurities and fears will cause the most toxicity to happen in your life. So that's the two, two areas that he really takes on. So, so taking your eyes off Jesus and focusing on yourself. If he's playing to your fears and your insecurities, what happens next is you take your eyes off the Lord and you begin to focus solely on yourself. And that's when things begin to spiral out of control. Right? Begins to happen. Point number three is this. Spiritual discouragement requires spiritual warfare. Spiritual discouragement in your life requires spiritual warfare. You're not going to get through spiritual discouragement without spiritual warfare. So let's go back to Nehemiah for a minute. Let's pick back up in verse 10. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. They had, they had a job that God sent them to do, and in the moment they find themselves spiritually discouraged. Verse 11, and our adversaries said they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause their work to cease. What is that? Playing on their fears, playing on their insecurities. And then 12, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came when they told us ten times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. There's no way out. There's no hope. This is going to happen. You guys came here to do what God asked you to do, but you're going to end up dead, right? There's no hope. You're not going to finish what you started. You're not going to be able to rebuild the walls that God sent you for. You're all going to die. And then in verse 13, Nehemiah says this, therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Can I tell you how important it is to rally against spiritual warfare in your house as a family? Enemy will try his best to get you to turn on each other, to fight each other, to cause conflict with each other, but it's so important as a family that you battle spiritually. When spiritual discouragement is trying to come on a member of your household, gather together with your weapons of warfare as a family. That's what Nehemiah did. He gathered them together with their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Don't let the enemy turn you against your spouse. Don't let the enemy turn you against your kids. Don't let the enemy turn you against those who have walked through, uh, through high water and fire with you. Fight alongside your brethren. Fight for for your wife, don't fight your wife. Fight for your kids, don't fight your kids. Fight for your friends, don't fight your friends. Because disillusionment and disorientation creates conflict that causes you to begin to fight each other. And spiritual, and spiritual warfare is where you need to head. Stop fighting each other and grab hands and fight together. Begin to move in that direction. So Nehemiah stood up and, and he said that, don't be afraid of them. I know they're playing on your fears. I know they're playing on your insecurities. I know that you don't have any hope in the moment. But can I tell you today that you don't have to be afraid. If the enemy is coming against your house, can I tell you today, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to lay down and let the enemy trample over you. You have power and authority that Jesus gave you. You can trample on snakes and you can trample on scorpions and you can trample on the enemies and the demonic that tries to get into your house. Because he's equipped us. Amen? Verse 15. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us. I love this next line. And that God had brought their plot to nothing. When the enemy figures out that you know what he's all about and that you've turned it over to the Lord and said, Lord, I give you control, he knows that God is so powerful that no matter what kind of plot is coming against your household, it will come to nothing because God is amazing. So God had brought their plot to nothing that all of us return to the wall, everyone to his work. What is the enemy trying to stop you from doing? Your work. That's not your job. It's your work in the kingdom. It's what God has called you to do. Your job is how you pay your bills, right? Sometimes in rare instances your work is how you pay your bills. (laughs) But most of the time your work is what God has called you to do. Your work is what God created you to do. Amen? So, everyone to his work. So, it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and war armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves, so that with one hand they worked at construction, and with the other hand they held a weapon. See, what the enemy is attempting to do is to cease your work. And if the enemy can stop your work, he can stop uh, the moving forward of the kingdom and your portion of it. So in this place, Nehemiah said, I'm going to give you a shovel and I'm going to give you a spear. In one hand, you're going to work your shovel. In the other hand, you're going to hold your spear. Because if the enemy tries to slow down this work, you're going to focus on the hand with the spear. And when the enemy doesn't show up, you're going to work your shovel. But the enemy is not going to stop what he's called us to do. Amen. So every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. So they gathered together with one mind in unity with one purpose and they decided that the enemy was not going to stop what God had sent them to do. And when the enemy's plot that had become known to them began to bring fear and intimidation upon Nehemiah and his and his team, he stood up and he proclaimed the goodness of God and said that God will take care of it, fear not, because He is powerful. Amen. So, So in your own life, if you're dealing with discouragement, if you're dealing with struggles, if you're dealing with fear and insecurities, disorientation, disillusionment, if you're dealing with all of that, can I tell you today that you need to just begin to proclaim that God is powerful, that God is in control, that God has it, and that you're giving it to Him, and that you know that the enemy's plot is going to come to nothing because God is in control. Amen. We've got to begin to proclaim that. Hallelujah. Well, stand with me tonight. Let's pray. I want to ask you if uh, maybe you came here tonight and you're dealing with discouragement. You know, like you, you walked in and I started preaching and you went, whoa. <laughs> like that's just, uh, Pastor Steve, do you, have a, do you have a hidden mic in my house? You know, what is this? You know, and you walked in and, and the Lord had this message and you realized and recognized it was for you. This is what I want to encourage you to do tonight: is first and foremost acknowledge it by just lifting your hand and saying, "I'm dealing with discouragement. It's where I'm living right now." If that's you, just lift your hand up. It's it's all over this place. You know, I felt in my spirit today that we, as a church family, were under attack, and I, I felt that the enemy was coming against us as a as a church body. Um, the last few days have been. Uh, days where I have woken up and didn't have any rest, where I had slept a full night and got up still tired, right? And, and I recognize that when that happens, it's not uh, physical tired, but it's spiritual tired. And I recognize that the enemy is coming against us as a church body, right? And, and as your pastor, uh, I begin to proclaim, and I begin to do warfare on your behalf. I I came in, to the office this morning, had no idea, walked into two moments and in two instances that, that required spiritual warfare like that, right? Had, had no idea, got out of the truck and came walking in and went, okay, this makes sense. You know, and we, we encounter situation after situation, uh, but talking to people and, and hearing from people and getting messages from people, I understand that the body of Christ right now is under attack, right? It's under spiritual attack. so what we have to do is rally together. We have to begin to warfare, but everybody's got to fight. Everybody's got to go to battle, right? It can't be one person fighting on behalf of 200, right? It's got to be everybody equipped for warfare. When Nehemiah heard of the plot, and that the enemy was trying to stop what was going to happen. Because, listen, I didn't say this, but I believe that we as a church body are, are getting ready to enter a new season. And, and I, don't know, I don't know what that looks like. So when I say that, uh, don't think, okay, he's kind of laid out. No, it's not a plan of mine. But I, I believe that God is getting ready to bring us into a new season where we're, we're going to impact uh, differently maybe than we ever have before. So I think the enemy is attacking individual members of this body to try to slow the process. Because as a body of believers, and listen, this is a a small crowd uh, of of believers in this church. And on Sunday morning, we'll we'll have about triple this. Uh, But all of the people here on Sunday morning uh, that come and call this their church need to walk in health and walk in power and walk in anointing to do what God has called us to do. God sent... Us here to rebuild the walls of this church. So we we came here two years ago to rebuild the walls and Nehemiah was what God laid on my heart when he called me to do it. And I said to the to to the there was maybe 40 people here when I got here and 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 I said to the some of the people in this room may have been on that committee the pastoral search committee but I said to them uh, we've got a lot of work to do and I can't do it all by myself right? And God uh, has, has been sending people in over the course of two years instrumentally uh, to make a difference and make a change and, and make an impact to take us where we need to go, right? But as a, as a church body, and if you're a guest here tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm not laying heavy stuff on you, okay? You're just, you're just hearing home talk, okay? So I, I'm not laying heavy stuff on you if you're a guest here tonight. Um, but we as a church body, if you call this your church, if this is what you believe, you need to go to war and go to battle immediately, and in, in your prayer time, begin to begin to, to to speak it, begin to come against discouragement, begin to come a- against whatever's attacking members in the body of this church. Okay, and we need to stand together. We need we need one hand on the shovel, one hand on the sword. Amen. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for the opportunity tonight to come into your presence. Lord, as as Pastor Brad sang earlier, your presence is where everything happens. So, Father, we give it over to you. In the same way that I preached tonight, I now take the action. And as as the pastor of, of this church, I hand it over to you. We give you control. Father, have your way. Move through this body like a mighty rushing wind. Repair bodies, and repair health, and repair hearts, and repair marriages, and repair and bring kids back into the kingdom. Repair households, Lord. Holy Spirit, move through households that are connected to this church, and begin to just cast out and remove any spirits that are not of you. Move through these households and breathe in joy and breathe in peace, Lord, and just begin to build that. And, and I pray, Father, that Your joy and Your peace would burst through each of our individual households like the sun breaking the clouds. Father, that those in this room who have felt in a dark, lonesome place in their homes for the for the, for maybe a while now, Father, I declare that the sun would break through the clouds right now, Father. That spiritually in those households, whatever hold that the enemy has had, and whatever marching orders the enemy has sent, Lord, that you would cancel those and bring those plots to nothing. Lord, I declare tonight in Jesus' name that we are your people. We are doing your work. And Father, we give you full control. In Jesus' name we pray. And the whole church said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you Sunday.